Chapter 56 Reconciliation The next day after my DUI arrest, the wife of the CHP officer who knew me came into the Paso office to set up vaccinations for her dog. We talked about what to do next. With my license suspended, I needed to arrange a person to drive me to work. She said I still had my license for 30 days. The next day I drove to San Luis and waited to talk with a lawyer I respected because he had helped me with some previous legalities. He made a phone call asking for information on the case. Then he told me there wasn't much he could do to help me. 
I offered to pay him $100, but he declined. When I went to court, the judge asked me why I was not represented. I told him the lawyer said there was little he could do. The judge agreed. He complimented my absent attorney on being a fair and competent man, and continued through the docket with other lawyers representing other DUI cases. Sometimes I wonder how it was that I escaped a total meltdown and financial ruin. The State Board of Veterinary Medicine sent me a letter asking me to explain the DUI. I told them it occurred after work. There were no clients or cases involved in the problem. I was bewildered, and finally began the soul-searching I needed to become a trusted husband and loving father. My dad left my mother with seven children, ranging in age from a few years to 15 years old. It was way of life for many of his relatives. In fact, one of dad's uncles split his time as a husband between two different families, with two separate wives. One lived in Des Moines, Iowa, and the other in Chicago, Illinois. The man was a salesman in the 1940s, who divided his family time depending on where he was scheduling business. Does this suggest a genetic influence? Or probably more likely a family acceptance of indiscretion? I tend to favor the acceptance theory. My brother Mike married his second wife, Penny, at Shadowmere. Janie was asked to make the wedding cake. During the aftermath of the wedding, I found time to take Janie out riding. We were gone a while, and Mary was worried about where I could be. My dad replied to her, boys will be boys, and laughed at how funny he was. Mary told me later, she replied, that may be okay with all of you, but it's not okay with me. I cut off all contact with Susan, changed my email address, and changed my cell phone. Janie planned a Thanksgiving dinner where Susan stayed over, and I told her I wouldn't be there. Later, Janie told me Susan was devastated and inconsolable. I had no way to make it to Janie's dinner anyways. I had no license. I couldn't ask Mary to drop me off, not at the place where I got my DUI, the place where my lover was staying. Come on. I'm trying. It takes me longer than most. Over the years, these contacts evaporated. Susan divorced her husband and moved out of state. Janie died from liver failure at Twin Cities Hospital, and Mary could no longer tolerate Earl and Barb's friendship, rightly fearing that they had been a part of tearing her life apart. Finally, too slowly, I realized the tremendous pain and disappointment I was creating. I have only lately begun to understand the magnitude of my arrogance, but it was the destruction of my self-confidence which finally brought me to my knees. Understandably, Mary decided I was no longer a suitable husband. Shortly before my DUI, I arrived at the Paso office for work. A fellow was waiting to serve me a notice of intent for divorce. Finally, the kick in the ass. This was my back-to-Jesus realization. I had failed to make my wife and family the priority they should be, and I needed to repair the giant garbage pile I created. However, Mary only tolerated my presence because I was a significant link to creating the family we had dreamed of years before. During a talk with my mom about relationships, she related a love story my dad's grandparents, Frank and Edna, enjoyed. As she was talking, tears came to her eyes, but I didn't ask her if she was crying because her marriage never worked out, or because of the tremendous love she saw between Frank and Edna. Frank and Edna were two lovebirds, mother related dreamingly. The most beautiful couple I had ever met. They must have lived a wonderful life. Their house was full of happiness and warmth. The door was never locked, and you knew they were not far away. They could be walking down the street, and Frank would see Reverend Duane wave over and yell, How the hell are you? 
and wouldn't think a thing about it. When we went to visit, the family gathered for dinner and played canasta, and he would cheat like mad and laugh about it. After the game was over, we sat around just to visit, and he drank Hennessy until he started to sneeze when Grandma would say, Honey, I think you've had enough. He would answer, Okay, love, I'll have some ice cream. When Edna died, Frank was a lost soul. A year later, he took a trip to the Bahamas, and when we met his plane, he had two large bags of Hennessy, and told me he misses her so much, he doesn't want to live anymore. He died a month later. I spent all my free time at home, and not just because I had no license. I was determined to rebuild my life and my family. I went back to the wood shop. It was a mess. There were unfinished projects, sawdust, and uncollected wood pieces all over the place. I cleaned the shop up and busied myself with completing the projects. I talked out my problems in the court-ordered DUI program. I repaired the sagging greenhouse and fixed broken sprinklers. I set my life-performing projects, doing things, and becoming lost while doing so. I completed a mammoth five-pond project in the back. Instead of a dry, dusty sand hole in the ground behind the hot tub patio, I developed a series of cascading ponds, which recirculated the water. Water flow could be diverted to individual marshes and bogs to filter the water more efficiently. Daily, Mary and I shared morning coffee, feeding the koi fish, and watching our four Jack Russell Terriers scare off the deer. The decking around the pond was extensive, and I scanned Craig's list for patio chairs and tables. Eventually, we had seven tables and enough chairs to seat 50 people. I bought outdoor chimneys or chimeneas from Craig's list for warmth during chilly evenings. Slowly, I received acceptance from Mary and was allowed back into her bedroom. As we rebuilt our relationship, we shared walks up the road and sometimes in the hills behind the house. And I stayed busy. I moved the hot tub from the patio to a new place in an upper-level deck of the pond, transforming the old hot tub patio into a giant outdoor kitchen. Every so often, I added a new implement to the rustic kitchen. I put in a large stainless steel sink left over from the demolition of the Atascadero Clinic, as well as cabinets from the clinic. Mary had started working at the Tuesday morning store when she realized she needed a source of income if the divorce came through. Now with the divorce proceedings in the distant past, she brought items home to help build up the outdoor kitchen. Eventually, the kitchen boasted two sinks, three stainless steel prep tables, a propane barbecue, a Santa Maria-style barbecue, a smoker, and two induction heaters, which quickly heated stuff in steel pots through electric induction. I bought a two-burner propane camp stovetop in case I didn't feel like firing up the barbecues, and I ran three-quarter-inch gas piping to these propane devices from the propane tank supplying the house and barn, so I didn't need to worry about running out of propane from those little five-gallon containers. I installed an on-demand propane water heater to more efficiently clean the dishes and pots and pans outside. I built more cabinets into the stainless steel tables because foxes or raccoons were breaking into our food. I made an 8 by 8 foot wooden dining table for the kitchen, and Mary brought home 12 steel chairs from her work for around the table. She bought an ice maker and a stand-around outdoor heater from Tuesday morning. I learned how to barbecue and to cook outside on the various devices we purchased, and I developed a database of menus I could pull up to help me decide future meals. Eventually, we invited friends over to help us fine-tune the meals and started offering a themed dinner every month which we could serve up to 40 people. We called this the Shadowmere Yacht Club, and as the kids got older, they became involved too. End of chapter.
more than I could feel. Touching what is real. All my mind is spinning round. Carolina spinning down today. Oh, I'm in a long, hurt about it. 
want you had your way And all the things we thought before Just faded into gray, can you see? I don't know if it's a you or if it's a me And if it's a one of us, I'm sure we'll play let's see for listening. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paperbook or an ebook, as well as an 11-disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.